on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as has been the case over a never-ending Dolphins offseason, it was a big, big week for the team in Miami. I just wrapped up a pair of days in Palm Beach up north at the Burgers Hotel for the NFL's annual owners meetings. I'm really excited to get into some stuff uh, that, that went down there as we spoke to general manager Chris Greer and head coach Mike McDaniel. But we got to take it back a few days uh, and because it's the first pod since the Dolphins' biggest move of the offseason to date. We thought it was going to be Teron Armstead, the signing of the standout left tackle. Hey, but the Dolphins, they quickly followed it up with another splash move, trading for six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyree Kill. And on top of that, they made him the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history with a four-year, $120 million extension. That's right. The Cheetah is coming to Miami. He's already landed in Miami, and he's ready to get to work. We, uh, as the members of the media, actually spoke to Toronto Armstead and Tyreek Hill last Thursday. Um, so I'm really excited to get into that, what that means for the Dolphins, and what's next and what has been an aggressive offseason. I know that a lot of Dolphins Fans were upset with the first week or so of free agency. The Dolphins not making those aggressive moves that Chris Greer spoke about. Hey, they've been aggressive these past couple of weeks for sure. Uh, and there's a lot of excitement in Miami, and I'm excited as well. Um, but to start things off with the Tyree Kill edition, man, uh, that is what you call a slam dunk home run move for the Dolphins this offseason. Um, you know, I remember recording last week's pod with Barry. Um, and we talked about the move for Armstead and what was next for this team. What did the Dolphins need to do next? <clears throat> and I said, I think that the next move needs to be getting a dynamic, dynamic pass catching wide receiver. Um, Cedric Wilson was a nice addition as a slot receiver. Obviously, we know what we have in Jalen Waddle. You have Mike Kosecki. You have uh, a pair of running backs in Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert that you just added to the fold. But really, you really did need to get that that next that next wide receiver to pair with Waddle. And man, I, I thought that this was potentially an option to draft a guy at number 29. I did not see uh, a trade for Tyree Kill in the fold. But man, it's been a just crazy offseason with a bunch of blockbuster moves. So I guess nothing should come as a surprise. Um, it was interesting to talk to Chris Greer um, on Tuesday, excuse me, on Monday, um, and kind of have him break down how this came about from his vantage point. Um, he said that on March 18th, the Friday before the move, that's when he was made um, aware that Tyreek Hill might be available in a trade. And he said, hey, there's no way we can do this. Uh, as the days go on, as you talk with his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and other members of the organization and the Chiefs, you figure out that this is possibly uh, you know, a deal that can be made. And obviously they ended up making that trade for Tyree Kill, giving up five draft picks over the next two years, including three in next month's draft and their top two selections. So the Dolphins don't pick um, or they're slated to not make their first selection until uh, the 102nd overall pick. That's going to be late Friday night. I'm kind of glad I don't have to stay up until the number 29 pick on Thursday for the draft. Um, but uh, right, right now the Dolphins are slated to head to, uh, into the 2020 draft with five picks. Um, and Chris Greer is fine with that. He said, hey, we've built this team through the draft. We saw an opportunity to swing for a dynamic, game-changing player. And, and as he said, they cannot pass up on it. And you can't blame the Dolphins for what they gave up uh, to get a player of Hill's caliber. Um, now, what does that mean for this team on the field? Um, you know, I know a lot has been made. A lot of stories have been written. A lot of a lot of TV segments devoted to like, what does this mean for the Dolphins on the team, uh, on the field? And, and I really think this is a perfect fit. You know, obviously 
we saw what he did with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes um, for, for six years. Um, and he really was the most dynamic player in the NFL. Um, but I really do think that there is a real, real fit with this scheme with Mike McDaniel, with Tua Tungvalu's skill set paired with Jalen Waddle. And um, I really think this diversifies the portfolio of the Dolphins offense. We know that this is going to be a team that is running the zone running scheme. It's going to utilize the zone running scheme. Um, you know, they there's nuances to that. Um, and they're going to build the passing game off the zone running scheme. Um, but we've kind of seen through the first, that first kind of wave of free agency and some of the signings that the Dolphins made, they were prioritizing guys who can separate and create after the catch. Um, Mike McDaniel, when he first got here, he pointed out to the yak numbers, the yards after catch numbers when he was with the 49ers um, and saying, Hey, we were the best at scheming up guys in space and letting them work with the ball in their hands. And again, Tyreek Hill is arguably, I mean, Chris Greer said it himself. He said Tyreek Hill is arguably the best yards after catch receiver in the NFL. Um, so I think that there's, there definitely is a fit there. You know, he, he's not just a deep threat. I, I think that um, as my colleague Barry pointed out um, in a story that he wrote um, where he was able to get a couple minutes with Andy Reid at the owner's meeting, um, Reed pointed out that Tariq Hill, like he's not just a, a fast, a fast guy. Like he's not just a track guy. He's an actual football player and he's a very, very good route runner. So, you know, his routes aren't going to be limited to go routes, to slants, um, you know, to, to deep slants and posts and stuff like that. I mean, like he can run just about every route in the route tree. I think that's really going to help with this offense. Once again, paired with Jalen Waddle, those guys are going to be interchangeable, working inside, working outside maybe lining up in the, in the backfield a little bit as I'm going to get into. Um, and, and I really do think that, you know, while th there are some concerns that I've, I've seen voiced about, you know, throwing it deep with Tua and the fact that Tua didn't really throw, throw the ball that deep, um, you know, in, in his second season and how, you know, how strong is his arm? I think they're going to make it work. You know, the game isn't played um, 20 yards to, 20 plus yards down the field. It's often played, you know, eight to 15 yards down the field. Um, and I do think that Tyree Kill is really, really going to help. I, I just feel like, you know, there's been a concerted effort to surround Tua with, with more skill position players who can, you know, create for themselves. Um, and, and I think they're making it easy on Tua. I don't, and I don't think that's a bad thing to say that they're making it easy on Tua. I think that, you know, for any quarterback in the NFL, you want to make things as easy as possible for him. Um, you'd love to have a guy who can go out there and throw the ball 50 times um, a game and just kind of will you to victories. You, you, I mean, you, you kind of need that at times, but you don't want to always have to rely on your quarterback to save you all the time. You want to surround him with as much talent as possible. And, you know, this is one of those moves where um, the Dolphins saw an opportunity to to around their young quarterback on a rookie contract again a rookie contract he's still he's still going to be on that for the next two years um, um it appears this was an opportunity to surround him with a talented you know pro bowl all pro type player um and you know again i just can't really applaud the move you know any anymore you know just the way that chris Greer was able to kind of make it work um give out give up draft assets but keep two the two first round picks in 2023 i thought that was probably the the best part of the deal the fact that he didn't give up more than one um first round draft pick um but again i think that there's going to be a lot of diversity to this offense like even more so than uh than probably original originally was planned um you know there's also been a lot of talk about what does this mean for you know the Debo Samuel role I mean is this is Tyree Kill Mike McDaniel's next Debo Samuel 
it was interesting to hear him uh, talk about that at the owners meetings on Monday um, at the AFC coaches availability Monday morning. You know, he said that there will be some overlap in terms of, you know, what he did with Debo Samuel, um, kind of turning him to turning him into a wide back as, as they called him a wide receiver running back. Um, but again, it's going to be kind of rooted in, um, you know, Tyree kills skill set. So if you look at some of his clips and some of his highlights from his time in Kansas City, you did see some overlap. I mean, there, there were some clips of Tyree Kill lining up uh, in the backfield, getting the ball in handoffs, getting the ball on pitches, um, off tackle plays. Um, so again, I think that there there is going to be um, some nice overlap there. But I think that Tyree Kill is is one of one. I mean, we saw what he did um, in the divisional round um, of the playoffs against the, the Buffalo Bills late in that game, just taking a deep slant or a post and, you know, catching it and just outrunning the entire the entire field to the end zone. I mean, he is literally one of one. Um, and I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of just just can't wait to see what Mike McDaniel um, has planned up um, for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, there's been a lot of jokes from the from the Dolphins defenders, Javon Hall and Brandon Jones, about what that means for practice. Uh, you know, they're ha- icing up their hamstrings, getting ready. Because I'm telling you, when they when you, when we get to uh, to late August, um, July, and you know that Miami Heat Heat is coming down, and they got to chase these guys. That is not going to be fun. So trust me. I'm I'm glad I don't have to be in their positions or I'm not in their position because I know that that's going to those practices are going to be uh, something else. Um, but really, um, before before we kind of wrap this part of the pod uh, podcast up, I think that this move showed that, you know, as Chris Greer said, that this is not a reboot. You know, we, they've said that multiple times. Um, Mike McDaniel has said, I think this is a team that's ready to win now. And he's you know, he's he recognizes kind of the impatience of fans at times. Um, Stephen Ross, the owner said that this is not a rebuild. This team is ready to, to win sooner rather than later. And then Chris Greer kind of reiterated those statements uh, when we spoke to him Monday afternoon. But I think it showed that the organization isn't too naive to think that Mike McDaniel was going to clean up all the stains with his scheme. Um, you know, the, the bill and the, the reputation for Mike McDaniel, especially and, and along with this coaching staff that he brought in, is that they're a group of teachers and they develop players and they bring the most out of players. That's great. I mean, you want that in a coaching staff, but and and I think that there's definitely a lot of confidence in this scheme to develop some players who haven't been brought along um, as far as maybe the, the organization had hoped. But you know, I thought I think that this was a reminder that to win in the NFL and especially with the way that the AFC has been kind of stocking up talent in recent weeks, this was a reminder that you need impact players at the most important positions on the field. And this move showed that the Dolphins did not forget that. So I really got to tip my hat again to the Dolphins organization. I know there was a lot of restlessness over the first week of some of these, uh, some of these moves. They, you know, they made some good signings, but again, you know, I think that we're kind of looking for the big fish and, you know, the Dolphins got two with Teron Armstead and Tyree Kill. Um, So what does that mean for where they rank in the AFC? Man, the AFC is going to be a bloodbath, (laughs) man. I was talking about it with some, some, some fellow riders across the country when I was uh, in in Palm Beach, just kind of breaking down some of the schedules and uh, the teams that, you know, opposing AFC teams have to face. It's going to be a bloodbath, but I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, as it stands right now, the Dolphins are without a doubt, the second best team in the AFC East. And I think that they're going to be a very, very competitive team. Um, you know, going from, again, going from Patrick Mahomes to uh, Tua to Tungvaloa, it's a little different. But with this coaching staff, with uh, Mike McDaniel, with this scheme, and just knowing Tua's skill set, 
I think that it is a perfect fit. Um, this might be the best thing for Tua's career, honestly, going into what a lot of people are calling a make or break year three. Um, and when you kind of look at them keeping that core, that defense together and the upgrades that they've made on offense, man, I think that they're going to be a really hard out if they can get the pieces together, put the work in in the offseason, um, and then, you know, start to look like the team on paper that a lot of people think they can be um so i'm excited uh, i mean i know a lot of dolphins fans are excited i'm definitely excited it was definitely cool to um see teron armstead to kill their families all um, uh, um at the dolphins training facility late last week um definitely definitely a new era of dolphins football you see the you see the charisma, you see the personality in both those guys. Um, and it was just announced Tuesday that reporters are going to be allowed back in the locker rooms for the 2022 season. Um, obviously, the past couple of years, we haven't had that with the COVID protocols. Um, so, again, I'm excited to, to, to see these guys um, in person a little bit more, get to know them more. Um, and, again, it's going to be a very, very fun season. It's, uh, as Terry Kill said, it's going to be a fast season, but it's going to be a fun season. Um, so, man. Can't wait to get to training camp and get this season started. But again, Dolphins making some big moves and some exciting moves. And uh, there's a buzz around Miami that's well-deserved, as Mike McDaniel said. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, I'm going to get into uh, the past couple of days at Palm Beach, the Breakers Hotel, a very, very nice hotel, a uh, little way, oh, not little, way past my pay grade, uh, but I really enjoyed my time uh, you know, speaking to Mike McDaniel, Chris Career, uh, some fellow reporters um, across the country. So when we come back on the other side of things, I'm going to get into my trip to Palm Beach and what I took from that. So stay locked with us. Well, everybody still here talking Dolphins, all things Miami Dolphins on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Um, you know, the first half we really got into um, breaking down the Tyreek Hill trade, the biggest uh, acquisition yet to date for the Dolphins offseason and what that means for the team going forward. Uh, but in the second half, I want to kind of break down my trip to Palm Beach. Um, I was up there with Barry, members of the, uh, the Dolphins media corps, um, as well as, you know, members of the media from uh, all around the country. They all gathered um, to Palm Beach at the Breakers Hotel um, to kind of speak to coaches, speak to GMs, owners, and kind of kind of see what's the state of the various teams in the NFL. And for me, that was actually my first trip um, to Palm Beach for uh, the owners' meetings. Um, it's a beautiful area. Man, I mean, Miami is beautiful as it is, but uh, Palm Beach is seeing the water, the yachts, and everything it was uh, definitely a great sight. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, so Monday, as I said, Monday morning, we first spoke to Mike McDaniel. Um, it was the first time we had spoken to him since all of you know the flurry of these moves. Um, the first time in about a month, the last time we had spoken to him was um, late February at the uh, this NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis. So, you know, at that point, um, he was still still about a month into the job. I'm still kind of outlining his vision for the team. Um, so it was cool to kind of get his thoughts on the moves um, that the team had made in, in, in the previous weeks and kind of seeing how that aligned with um, what he really wanted to, to build in his first year as Dolphins coach. Um, and, you know, after, after a lot of interviews, you know, he's, he's made a, Mike McDaniel has made his rounds doing interviews for the past few months, um, you know, speaking to him Monday morning. I mean, there definitely was a measured tone uh, about him. I, I would say um, he didn't commit to too much, which I thought was really interesting. You know, um, obviously he was asked about Tua Tungvaloa and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, after Teddy's kind of no comments regarding this role, he kind of put that to bed and said, Hey, 
both players know their role. Um, when I was talking about a backup, a uh, veteran backup for Tua, I mentioned, uh, I was mentioning Teddy Bridgewater without mentioning Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. So we kind of put that to, to rest, even though there really was no doubt in my mind that uh, Tua was a starting quarterback. Um, but outside of that, you know, there wasn't a lot of definitive you know, comments or statements from Mike McDaniel. You know, he did say that Teron Armstead would be uh, the team's left tackle as expected. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, he didn't commit to Connor Williams at um, at left guard where Williams has said he's most most comfortable at dating to his time in Dallas. Um, Mike McDaniel was really leaving everything open. I mean, he's 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 leaving everything to be a, a kind of a blank canvas. Um, I point, he pointed to the start of the offseason workout program that starts April 4th, uh, next Monday. Um, the team isn't necessarily allowed to do on-field work and you know kind of run plays or anything like that they're mostly it's mostly weightlifting and conditioning and whatnot but again that's going to be the first opportunity for mike mcdaniel to really see uh you know the majority or the entirety of his team um kind of working together you know just just in a work-like atmosphere since he became coach um and he really said that that's you know the kind of the ground you know point you know ground zero in terms of building the the foundation of this team and what this team is going to look like in 2022 um but i thought it was kind of uh it was kind of kind of a sh- kind of shrewd comments kind of kind of um smart comments because i think that since he's gotten to miami he's spoken about the importance of being um, adaptable and open to change and the fact that you know um what you might intend to do might not work out and you might have to go a different course or a different route. Um, and again, he might have an idea. I'm sure he does have an idea and a vision, excuse me, a vision for what this team is going to look like. But until you get the guys in the facility, until you get the guys on the field and really see how they respond um, to what you're going to do, you can't really be sure. And he, he spoke about that. He said it wouldn't be fair to the process um, to kind of pencil guys into certain spots without really seeing them. Because, again, this is a new scheme. He's going to be asking them to do different things. Uh, the language is going to be different. He's spoken a lot about just getting the language down um, in terms of the terminology that they're going to use in this new uh, system. Um, so, again, he didn't commit too much. Um, but with that being said, I think that I can kind of parse through some of his words some of the words, uh, some of the comments from Chris Greer later in the day, kind of read between the lines, read, you know, through the lines, um, and kind of give my thoughts on what I think is next for the team and what their vision for the team is. And truthfully, while, again, starting with the offensive line, while he only uh, locked Teron Armstead in at the left tackle spot, um, you know, I'd be surprised if Connor Williams isn't the starting left guard at, at week one of the 2022 season. And truthfully, when you look at the remaining three spots, center, right guard, right tackle, I wouldn't be surprised if those three spots are filled with incumbents. Um, You know, obviously there's two new additions at offensive line who are kind of projected starters. Um, But in terms of the remaining spots, I would not be surprised to see, um, you know, start 2021, excuse me, three 2021 starters um, starting again. You know, starting at center, um, I thought that Chris Greer's comments on Michael Dieter were very, very interesting. I mean, he he spoke very highly of him saying that, hey, um, we think that he's um, still in the developmental stage of his career where, you know, there still is, um, you know, a leap to take in terms of him getting better. He hasn't, he's pointed out that he hasn't played too many games. And obviously he dealt with the foot and quadriceps injury in 2021 that limited him to eight games. But again, Chris Greer believes that there is uh, room for growth still with Mike McDaniel and, and Michael Dieter, but he did not rule out, you know, bringing in somebody else. And in fact, he did say that he was going to bring in competition for Michael Dieter. Um, what that looks like, whether that's a veteran signing, signing or a draft pick, um, that's to be determined. I know J.C. Treader, um, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, is still out there. And I think that that'd be a great pickup. Um, but that doesn't really, as I wrote um, today, I uh, wrote Tuesday, 
in a story kind of breaking down the different ways the Dolphins can go in terms of filling out the rest of the roster and, and um, kind of plugging some of their remaining holes. I don't see J.C. Treader as like um, as competition. I mean, if you bring in a veteran like that who is 31, but still one of the better centers in the NFL, that to me screams a move that, you know, where you're just you're bringing him in to, to be the appointed starter. I don't think he's going to be competing. J.C. Treader is going to be competing with uh, – with um with Michael Deere for the center spot. So I mean that's again, I, I don't think the Dolphins are necessarily done making moves. That's something to potentially keep your eye out for. But there will be competition at center. Um in terms of right guard and right tackle, um obviously Robert Hunt started um, all 17 games at right guard. I really, really do like him at right guard. Um, as I've said before, although there are um you know some questions in terms of his ceiling at right tackle. Um, again, as I said last week, I'm of the mindset that if you find a guy that you know is very, very good at one spot, um, you know, don't don't mess with it. You know, you have more or less two spots filled on the left side of the offensive line. You know, you have a guy who was one of the best, better right right guards in the NFL over the second half of the season, Robert Hunt. Um, let him stay there. And then right tackle, obviously, after the release of Jesse Davis, the two in-house candidates to fill that spot are Austin Jackson and Liam Eichenberg. And as I said last week, I think that Austin Jackson is probably a better fit for that right tackle spot um, in this zone running scheme as compared to um, Liam Eichenberg, just because Austin Jackson coming out of USC, um, he had the reputation for being the more athletic player, the more kind of nimble player. Obviously they're, they're, needs to be some work in terms of refining the technique, maybe getting a little more powerful. But I do think that that is potentially a really good spot and a good landing um, point for for um, Austin Jackson at that right tackle spot. Um, but again, um, we're about two, three weeks into the start of free agency. Um, a lot of teams are going to start to kind of transition really into the NFL draft and kind of setting their boards up and whatnot. Um, you know, I'm not out, I'm not crossing out the potential to bring any guys, but if you really look at the landscape of the offensive tackles that are remaining and really the offensive linemen, you know, you're, you're not getting somebody that's going to be um, a, a plug and play starter. I mean, at this point, I mean, there's there are some guys, some veteran guys with experience. Um, but again, there's there's a lot of questions, whether that's age, durability, limited upside. I'm not sure if, you know, obviously you, you already landed two starters, two veteran starters on the offensive line. I'm not sure if the, you know, the pickings of the offensive line group left in free agency. I don't know if it's to the point where you, you know, you bring them in right now. I think that you definitely let your young guys kind of battle for those, those remaining spots. Um, if you like what you see, Hey, that's perfect. You try to develop those guys and turn them into uh, really solid players. If not, maybe you do bring in a veteran guy later after the draft. Maybe you do draft a guy with one of those uh, day two, day three picks that you have and bring them in and let the competition go there. Um, but again, I think that, you know, I, I wasn't really of the mindset, throughout the entire offseason that the offensive line is going to be overhauled. We haven't seen that yet. Obviously, there's two new starters. Um, but again, I think that a lot of these young guys are going to get every opportunity um, to compete for these starting spots. And the hope is that with Mike McDaniel, um, with Matt Applebaum, the offensive line coach, with Frank Smith, who the offensive coordinator, who has a history in developing offensive linemen, the hope is that you can get something out of these guys. As I said, Chris Greer remains bullish on Michael Dieter. He thinks that there's still room for growth. There's obviously still room for growth with Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg and Robert Hunt seems like a player. So again, if you can kind of get those guys to compete and develop them, I think that you really could have a very, very solid offensive line. It doesn't need to be top 10. It doesn't need to be you know, reminiscent of the 90s Cowboys or even the Cowboys of a couple of years back um, when, when they were you know opening wide holes for, uh, for Ezekiel Elliott. But 
but you need a solid group of five starters from left to right um, who can execute your scheme. And we're going to see in the coming weeks if the Dolphins have that. Um, I guess the last point I want to touch on before uh, I wrap things up is what's next for the Dolphins? Are moves still on the way? Um, I know Dolphins fans are, are champing at the bit for the next move. Um, and, you know, there's been rumors and reports uh, about, you know, potential, you know, additional additions to this team. Um, one that we know is not likely to happen or will not happen is uh, Teron Matthew or Tyron Matthew. Uh, Chris Greer asked specifically if the team is um, pursuing the, the Pro Bowl safety. Um, and Chris Greer said no. So it looks like they're going to head into the season with um, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones at safety, which is a very, very strong young safety um, duo. I think that they have a bright future in the league. Um, although Matthew would obviously be a tremendous addition to this team. Um, you know, when you look at it, I mean, there's, there's only a few spots that the Dolphins haven't actually filled, you know, the interior offensive line, um, right tackle. But as I said, I think that the young guys are going to get every opportunity to compete for those spots. Um, inside linebacker, um, Greer shed some light on the decision to kind of re-sign their, the, all the incumbents from last year and not really upgrade the group. Um, again, they feel very confident about that defense and the pieces that they have. Um, so I don't really foresee them maybe going after a guy or trying to get a guy like Bobby Wagner, unless maybe the asking price just drops dramatically and then you're just kind of you're just kind of stealing him. Um, I don't see that happening. Um, so at this point, you know, I think that maybe there will be some some depth signings potentially. You know, at this point, um, a lot of the veterans, you can kind of wait a couple of weeks, wait after the NFL draft to make those signings. Um, but I think that the biggest moves might be behind uh, the Dolphins this offseason. But again, um, Chris Greer is still on the phone making calls. You know, I did ask him um, about Devontae, Devontae Parker um, amid, you know, kind of signing Cedric Wilson, trading for Tyree Kill. And Chris Greer um, did confirm that he has received phone calls about Devontae Parker. But he said, hey, I like having good players. Um, you know, I'm working with the assumption that Devontae Parker is going to be on this team in 2022. And with a relatively small cap number compared to, you know, some of the other um, higher paid receivers in the NFL, um, you know, the team doesn't need to, you know, actively push Devontae Parker out of Miami. Um, you know, if he ends up being the number three, number three, four wide receiver, that is a heck of a number four wide receiver um, to have on your roster. And um, you're definitely not going to complain about the Dolphins stacking up depth. But again, I think that, you know, small moves like that, whether that's a depth signing, whether that's a trade of a guy to maybe push down the depth chart to uh, kind of get back some of that draft capital that you used um, to acquire Tyree Kill in that big trade. I mean, I think those are definitely possibilities in the coming weeks. Um, but like I said, the Dolphins are uh, like they're being, they're aggressive in searching for uh, for moves, and as we've seen, they're they've actually been aggressive in um, you know actually making those moves. Um, so I guess anything is possible. Uh, we have seen just about everything this offseason, so you really can't rule anything out. Uh, that brings us to the end uh, of this week's edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, voice is a little hoarse from just being around talking to so many people these past couple of days, but I've really been enjoying it. Enjoyed my trip up to, to Palm Beach um, for the league owners meeting. Um, I guess things might start to die on in the coming weeks as we start to uh, transition into the NFL draft, which is um, going to be held in Vegas. Um, but we'll be here to wrap up and uh, break down everything that happens in the world of the Dolphins. Um, so hope you guys enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, take care. I'll talk to you uh, next week. But until then, take it easy. See you.